Welcome, and this is Dr. Heidi Hook at Naturally Curious. This is my podcast, and today I am so excited to have Hannah Zachney. She is a licensed marriage family therapist, and a, she works with trauma, and she's also a certified vinyasa and kundalini yoga instructor. So she's this really unique combination of therapist and yoga. Um, she, I think you've been working for 10 years and um, specializing in trauma, but she also uses EMDR, brain spotting, and CRM. And the, Hannah and I have known each other for a while now, and she's just one of those therapists that gets the job done. It, she's so good. I send so many patients her way um, because I see results. And so I'm so excited to have you here because I think you have a lot to say because it's not just about talk therapy. It's not just about you mean people can understand logically what's going on, but there's it's deeper than that. And so, Hannah, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Wow, <laughs> thank you for that. That is amazing, and I am so grateful to be here and grateful to know you and the work that you're doing in the world. So, thank you. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So, a little bit about me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, please. So, I. Um, Yes, I am a licensed marriage family therapist. This is uh, about the last 10 years I've been in that field. And previous to that, I'll give you just a bird's eye view of what that looks like, because I believe it kind of sets the tone for the holistic approach that I have, um, which my undergrad was towards biological sciences and pre-med. And so I thought I was going to go that way. I've always been an athlete and understood the world through my body and through movement and through, through somatic experiencing. Um, and through that, have understood the nuances of my own body uh, quite a lot. Um, but I didn't end up using that career path. And so I spent the next couple decades really exploring many careers, but then re really solidifying a love and a practice of yoga. Um, yoga, meditation, primarily starting with more active forms of yoga, and then more recently moving into kundalini yoga, which I'll speak to in a, I'm sure somewhere down here, down the road. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I just found myself craving more of the intellectual processing of all of that and moving into the mind. So, and deciding to go back to school for uh, psychology. So the journey for me quite literally in my own path has been body, mind, and spirit. And I feel blessed to be able to work in a way and to serve in a way that combines those three loves and journeys of my life. So here I am. Um, I have a private practice in Folsom, California, and I also do teach yoga um, Externally and then more internally, actually, I've been creating uh, groups that have more collaboration with with the technology of yoga. So I guess to come back to Kundalini specifically, some of the some of the modalities that I've used in uh, trauma release are EMDR, brain spotting, and comprehensive resource modeling, which is known as CRM. And all of these are very somatically based ways of removing trauma. Uh, so those modalities are what moves people through stuck cognitions, through stuck neural pathways, through um, allowing them to see the change. And so this modality of Kundalini yoga is 
it's actually they call it a technology more so than a um, more so than a form of yoga. So it's there's a science behind it, and it kind of uh, collaborates with the same technology and the mindset of EMDR, brain spotting, and CRM. Meaning that it's allowing the left and right hemisphere theorists to wash to integrate information and for any sort of stuck residual energy to to literally leave pass through and allow the brain to to kind of re um, re-narrate uh, past energy so that you can move through a stuck processing such as uh, I'm not lovable to I am lovable or I don't deserve good things to I deserve good things and and am capable of good things so there's uh, in my world, I work in private practice because I really appreciate working with people who have a high desire to better them, their lives and who are coming on their own free will. And so that being said, I also have the, the people that I work with are tend to be very, uh, they have access to, to resources. They have access to the books. They've done their due diligence in solving their problems on their own. So by the time they get to me, they really could, if it was possible to fix their problem from an intellectual standpoint, they would have done it. And so these modalities are just that final push that can pull through and then they can make sense of what's happening and use all of that beautiful intelligence and value and ethical uh, resources that they have. But unless you can let that move through in a somatic way, it's all for naught. So yeah, I think... I could go on and on, so I'll let you. <laughs> well, I think that that's why, you know, we work so well together is because when you have an experience and if you have a negative experience, it almost gets cemented in at a cellular level, right? And so, you know, as a, as a naturopath, we can give you the nutrients you need to get your biochemistry back to optimal. But if you have this energy that's cemented that says, I'm not good enough, I'm sick, I can't get what I want. Um, you can think about all you want and know that that's not true, but unconsciously it keeps coming back up. And you're yeah. like, ah, why am I still in this path again? Right. And so um, that is where I'm like, oh yeah, okay, you know it, you can talk about it and you can paralyze yourself around it because you already know it. Right. But how do we get it out of your body at a cellular level? And that's when they get sent to you and then, then it happens. Yeah. Um, so I think that the EMDR is magic and the other stuff is magic. And I just want you to spend some time on, you know, maybe how each of those therapies work and what you see, because it is magic. I wish people could be a fly on the wall to see yeah. how things shift. You know, it's, you know what you know, and you know what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. And I think there's a lot of people that don't know about EMDR and brain spotting and CRM as an avenue to clear these, these um, energy out of your body so you really can line up to your higher self. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So um, I think what really comes up for me as, you, as you're sharing, and I would love to go into a little bit more detail on some of those modalities and to just normalize what these are and to make more accessible some of these modalities because I feel one on the, on the precipice of that thought is that um, these modalities are kind of lumped into a category called trauma. So they're trauma work. Um, and 
sometimes that is of service to label it in that way. And then sometimes I believe that's a, a big disservice because I think some people don't identify that they have quote unquote trauma. Um, and so I like to relabel that as trauma is really from the purposes of these approaches. It is anything that has happened to you that was too much for you to handle at the time. So yes, there's, there's big T and there's little T is kind of how we break that down. So big T in the field is the things that you see on the five o'clock news that are definitely traumatic, right? The house burning down, a carjacking, the loss of a loved one, a divorce. These are, these are big, big things. But a little T could be dad didn't come to the baseball game when I was five years old, or I didn't get invited to the birthday party, or uh, I was embarrassed. I raised my hand and I had the wrong answer in class or chronic bullying or um, just a series of illnesses, a series of um, failing yourself. So these things that, that are too much for us, our, our body, like intellectually, we can say that and we can organize that into big trauma and little trauma, but our body doesn't really care and it doesn't do that same organizational system. It just knows in the moment something was too big and so that equals pain. And so when that equals pain, what our body does to protect ourselves is kind of flight, fight, freeze, or numb. And so often when one of those happens, the moment passes, because it does, and we're highly functioning, so we move on, that moment passes, we go on with our life, but that stuck pain and whatever was associated with that, so that pain, that sadness, that overwhelm, that disappointment, that fear, that whatever got locked in, literally gets locked in, and then our brain kind of needs to make sense of it. So it does this thing where it tries to make sense of this unsettled pain, and it says, see, this is why you're not good enough. See, this is why you're not lovable. See, this is why you'll never succeed. See, this is why you can't trust your judgment, and on and on and on. And so unless we can take address both of these, we won't see the difference that we need to. So we need to be able to move also that, that somatic release of that energy block that involves activating the right left hemisphere, washing that through so that you can have full release from a mental, physical, emotional, spiritual perspective. Beautiful. Well said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, EMDR, so then to get back to some of these modalities, is that EMDR, brain spotting, CRM, kundalini yoga, certain forms of meditation, they all do these similarly. The reason I like the, the first that I mentioned, CRM, EMDR, and brain spotting, and kundalini, is that my understanding and my education shows that they move things faster. And I'm all about people living the best, most vibrant, happy, joyful life as soon as they can. And especially as, as soon as they realize that there's an issue, if they realize there's an issue, let's give them the tool that they need so that they can go on and, and move into that world. So um, people wonder what it looks like. So of course, if you think trauma work, you don't want to come in and do this kind of work because you don't want to be re-traumatized. And that makes sense to me. Um, but the beauty of these kind of modalities is that what we know, and science is really showing this, is that the body... And, and, I, and I know you know this is moving into your field, the tad is that the, bo the body craves homeostasis. It craves to heal. It knows, it has such deep intelligence. 
And so if we can just resource the body, get it grounded and get it, the nervous system to drop to where it goes into a safer place, then the body is going to naturally let go of that, of what's on top, what's stuck. So it's really about, we call it trauma work, but it's really deep, deep resourcing so that you get yourself into such a, a deep connection with your, with your body and what it feels like. And people go, well, are you hypnotized? No, you're not. It, you can feel present, um, but you also feel deeply, deeply relaxed. It's almost like you're in kind of that like twilight, not quite REM, but almost the sleep stage where if you needed to get up, you could, but you also just kind of want to stay. And so how do we do that is multiple ways, um, depending on the modality and the approach and the the, the way, the necessity of, of how to access the memory of the body in depending on the individual. But generally, it looks like we put headphones on um, and the headphones may either have tones, which just kind of wash, it almost sounds like a hearing test. It'll just beep, 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 beep. Um, or I can use bilateral music. And so bilateral music is, is just kind of sounds like waterfall-y, beautiful music, but it'll wash from ear to ear. And both of those are allowing the hemispheres to kind of toggle and allowing the body to settle down. In conjunction with that, I may hand somebody uh, these pulsars that have a slight vibration in their hands. So it'll alternate from right to left with a slight buzz. I may um, tap their knees with their permission to touch. It's not always how I do, but that might be an access point. But these various ways are kind of activating right left hemisphere Meanwhile, we're doing very um, intentional and thoughtful breath work in breath cues. So we're allowing the body to literally move, to literally set, settle down. To and, and then the instruction that I'm giving is more so body-related than it is trauma memory-related. So it's uh, what did you feel? Where, where are you feeling in that in your body? And doing a lot of exploration about how the body is holding that memory, that belief, that thing that you keep, that cycle that you keep falling back into, how, how do you hold that? What does that bring up for you? And we kind of like, kind of just kind of talk through that. Um, the other thing I really cherish about these modalities is that because it's so somatic, it's not always necessary for the client to divulge everything that happened to them in a moment that they may be stuck about or a history of experiences that they may have shame or not be ready to vocalize. The body doesn't need you to do that. The body will allow you to wash that through. These modalities kind of do that for you. Um, and then nine times out of 10, what happens is that once that intensity of that memory has passed, that person no longer has fear talking about it because they don't have that same charge to it but it doesn't require initially having to put vocal words to the situation. So it's really self-empowering um, in so many ways. And gosh, I could go on on why the reasons I love it. Another reason I love it is that it, it is so self-led, right? Like I get to be less to be the, the kind of, I'm going to hold the safe space and I'm going to create the, the approach but then the client really leads me. So what's happening in their body, we either just move through or we slow down or they, the memory network of the mind body has such a unique way of holding everything that 
I often use the analogy of like, you know, peeling away the onion, the layers. So it's, you know, we may start on a memory that happened when you were in the fifth grade, but before you know it, we're on one that involves grandma last week. And that's like, but somehow they're both related to the same thing. And, um, and it just feels right for the client. Every single time I had done this practice and every single time people have felt, um, a deep integration to whatever became present for them was exactly what they needed to look at was exactly what they needed to see and often didn't make sense, which is why they couldn't have done it on their own. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It, it's because that, you know, the body has this inherent knowing of how to heal, right? Yeah. It wants to heal physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so sometimes we have to take our logical mind out of it because <laughs> yes. we have this idea of what it is to heal is this is where we need to go. Yes. And our spirit goes, no, we need to go this path. And so yes. this really is a way of allowing your spirit to lead you in how to get to that optimal health. And that's what I see in my practice when people do this work is because some people will hit a wall when they don't want to do the therapy that I want them to do. Yeah. You know, they don't want to not, they don't want to change their diet. They don't want to take the supplements. They, and it's almost like they don't really want to get better because if they get better, then they would have to come up against um, being who they are, being seen, um, being big yes. in the world, uh, wh whatever it is that keeps people from healing. And so, and, and the, these two then really dovetail and support each other because we are getting people so they can be their optimal health and their optimal self. But that also tells me, or that also means that they have to be spiritually optimally optimal also, which yeah. means you got to deal with your shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it's not a path for the weary in the sense that you have to be willing to, to look at what is. Uh, right. Yeah. But yeah. it's also really fun. I know when I've done semi-MDR, it's like sitting back and watching a movie. That yeah. is my movie of where my body wants to take me or where my spirit wants to take me to clean the stuff out. Yeah. And so it's really, it's like, I, sometimes I feel like I should bring popcorn and, you know, and although I don't eat popcorn, but you know, it's like, it is, it's like watching a movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I get to clear it out. And once yeah. you get to learn how to do it, it's really, really fun. Yeah, I really appreciate that you say that because um, I think the, the assumption is, is that if I'm going through the journey of, even if it's my own memory network of all the, of the kind of things that didn't work or didn't line up right or have association with something that now I think is negative, that that's going to be an awful experience. Your body is so resourced and you're only, I believe this fully, only what you're ready to deal with will come up. Only. So... Only so there's there's kind of this built-in assuredness or safety in that that like only what you are ready to deal with will come up. So yes, something may come up that may be attached to some sense of sadness or disappointment or fear or whatnot, but it comes up in a way that you're almost grateful to see it and that you're resourced in a way that you can deal with it now, versus it's coming up in the same traumatic way that it initially happened. So it's literally allowing you to create a new narrative on that experience so that you can kind of walk away. And I, this happens quite frequently where people walk away and yeah, let's say we're working on a very specific negative memory and 
we're never going to make that a positive memory, right? We're never going to say, oh yeah, the loss of that person was a good thing or the, the diagnosis of that was a good thing. Like that's never like what we're, that's not the goal. But the goal is to, that was a really hard, to get to, get to the point where you can say, yes, that, that was a really challenging time. And here's all the things I learned from that. And here's how I've grown from that. And here's what I understand now. And so it becomes a pivot point to where your life could fall into kind of a spiral from this thing that has happened to a launching pad to moving into the next best step for you. I think that also something that comes up when you're talking is that, you know, we tend to live in a culture that we don't really feel we, yeah. you know, we're all in our, or, but there's a lot of phone, right? A lot of yeah. being in your phone. Yeah. Um, and so when you're not feeling in a situation, um, it's going to go in to get felt later. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause feeling is healing. And so yeah. you can be in this really safe situation to yeah. really kind of be present with what your body wants you to learn from that and then move on. And so that's the other really beautiful thing that I see. Cause I always tell people, you know, feeling is healing. And so you're going to have to, at some point, you know, your things happen to us because we need to learn something. And so it's, it's time to learn what you need to learn from that. So you can move on. So you can get to your next lesson in life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just so true. And you, you do have to feel the heal. And yeah. so the, and sometimes if it, if you delayed the feeling or even sometimes if it hurt on the way in, it may kind of like feel on the way out. I relate it almost to like a good massage where it's like, it kind of hurts, but it hurts in a good way. It's kind of yeah. like that. Like, yeah. yeah. So what, what I see in the world is there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of numbing because there's mm -hmm. a lot of, of chaos and a lot of, you know, drama and, and trauma that's happening in our world today that yeah. we have, we are bombarded by the news, by social media um, and so people, in my experience, people are walking around in fear and numb and walled off. And, um, and so I wanted you to speak around that with yeah. what you see and what, what people can do to be in our world. <laughs> well, I can try. <laughs> um, yeah, I see the same thing. I see the same thing in my practice as in just my personal life. And, um, it can be overwhelming when you open your eyes to, to seeing actually what's happening right now. And kind of a, a bonus to doing the modalities that we were just talking about in the way that I was explaining them is that let's say that you, you withheld feeling something because you prayed you couldn't. Well, you get the, the support of these modalities to move through that. And I will use the verbiage often with my clients to say, notice you're feeling this feeling that you thought you couldn't handle and that you're okay, right? So I think we take ourselves out of the game because we do think, we numb because we think we can't handle it, right? We distract because we think we can't handle it. We, or we think if I could handle it, but then I'm going to be out of commission for a week. I don't know how deep that well is. And if I was to actually explore how angry I am or how frustrated I am, or if I was to do that, I would turn it, I would be honking at everybody, I would road rage everywhere. I would never be the same person. I would get a divorce. I would blah, 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 blah. So, you know, this, this fear that if I tap into these forbidden emotions, that life will go off the rails is a natural fear that I think we as humans have. And if we can build in the security of giving ourselves safer spaces on a consistent basis to kind of like hit the release valve, 
I think we can deal with life a little better. So I think the modalities help with that, showing and proving to ourselves that we can do that. But aside from the modalities, I am a huge believer of daily detox and a daily emotional detox. And, you know, phones are great. Phones are amazing. Technology is amazing. It's allowing us to do what we're doing right this very moment. And Mm -hmm. it's a gift. And I look at it as a way for uh, increasing connection and spiritual collaboration, right? Like this is so many good things, but but all things in moderation as well. And so it is important to to just acknowledge there is so much bombardment of information and that our brain can only handle so much input and our body, our whole system needs to process it. So it's imperative that, you know, we need to kind of offload and a offload detox like emotionally, but then B allow that to process on a daily basis. So if we're not creating space for quiet, for that like puttering processing of the brain, then it's going to overload. So, you know, I just was looking at a, a little, uh, an article I was reading was sharing, was explaining to me that, um, and you may know details on this, but how the brain, when it's in kind of, they call it this unfocused versus focused stage. So when it's in its unfocused stage, um, it's burning at like 20% of, of our energy level. And so we think we're doing nothing, but it's actually doing quite a lot because when we're in focus, it's only 25%. Well, it is not only, but it is 25. So it's like 20 in putter, 25 in full focus. So we think like we're just puttering or we're just in that like unfocused, daydreamy, you know, this is like adult coloring books are really great or just long walks in nature. This is when our brain gets that time. It's doing a lot. It's like making the connection points. It's, it's um, freeing information. It's listening to the intuition of the gut brain, the heart brain, and all of the entire chakra system. So making time for this is imperative to battle this anxiety that we have, the, that, which to me is just too much information. Like we have, we're just in overwhelm. We're just all collectively in a state of overwhelm. So we have to kind of just declare like I need for me, I need probably more and more as, as I take on more in life, I need more downtime. So it, you know, I used to tease that for every client I bring on, I need another hour of yoga or I need another hour of meditation. And I don't know if that's the exact ratio, but that, and, and those offloading points don't have to look the same for everybody. Like some people it's gardening and some people it's painting and, you know, but I think creating that unfocused brain time is invaluable. And I think that is beautiful, the um, mental detox um, and, and actually spiritual detox yeah. is really, um, I, I think, a term that I haven't heard, and I love it, um, because we are all talking about, you know, uh, patients come in and they're always talking about, you know, I'm going to detox my body, but along with that is that mental and spiritual detox. That's beautiful. So what do you think, um, so, so that, I mean, that in itself is huge. And just knowing that you can allow yourself to have that, that, that we need that to be healthy, one is inc- incredibly validating and open and, and sometimes can just be a, what we need to just go, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to take that time. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, we don't always yeah. have to be busy and have something on our plate. Right. And we don't always have to be productive every minute of the day. Uh, and that, um, and that turning the, you know, the phone off and the TV off and the, and just having quiet time and drinking tea is really doing a lot. Yeah. Like you yeah. said, I, I think what you do is amazing. And I, 
And I wish that everyone could have access to this kind of therapy um, because I think that it allows us to be much more closer to who we are and what we can do and we don't have to get bogged down by the, the, our past and um, our experiences of the day-to-day at a cellular level. And so our energy and our spirit can really go through our body a lot easier. So do you have any, any um, suggestions, any um, uh, parting thoughts for people um, on this journey? Because I think that the biggest one for me is that this offers a lot of hope. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I want you to um, expand on that. Yeah. Um, I think generally, I think you spoke to this, the undertone of this a little bit that, that we just need permission. I think like, you know, like how, what a relief that is to say, Oh, it's okay to go just go for a walk. Or, you know, I I think the the ratio that we need is every 90 minutes of focus time, we need a minimum of 10 minutes of unfocused time. So, I mean, just even in general, really practically, like people could change their whole system if they just calendared in that unfocused relaxation time, be very clear that it does not include the phone that does not include you know overeating or numbing activities so that I think sometimes people go oh well I relaxed I was on social media that's that's not that so to have that really just intentional um self-soothing you know I, I think our culture doesn't do a great job at even teaching kids how to do this and then we have a bunch of adults throwing temper tantrums when we don't know how to soothe ourselves and so um, you know, really knowing like, does the soft music soothe me or does a warm bath or does, you know, just never underestimate the value of just staring out your window and looking at the trees, right? Like just watching the wind blow that we, if, if we just give ourselves permission to do this, I know at some level, there's going to be a percentage of people that are going to, uh, rebuttal that and say, Oh, I don't even have time, but right. The type A's are going to say that, that like, and I'm a recovering type A, so I understand this, but but there's even in me that there's a part of me before I even knew all this and did all this that that knew that that was something my body needed. And so I think it's giving yourself permission to the big thing for me right now, giving yourself permission to, to want what you what you really want instead of what you think you're supposed to want. And um, I think if we really listen to that deep desire, we won't we won't let ourselves down because we know somewhere in there and yes there'll be trial and error and yes we need to probably learn some new tools and get out of some habits which all these other modalities help but uh i would say that's one thing it's just the just the ease of just giving yourself permission to do it is um is the first thing what i found is uh working with specifically with women is i would notice one woman will come in and feel very alone in her journey and share with me you know, I feel overwhelmed and I feel sad and I feel like I'm all alone in this and I feel like I can't relate to people and I feel like I want to become more spiritual, more intuitive or listen to my, my instincts and follow through in my own. But like women specifically are such just caretakers and we just are uh, nurturers by instinct. And so, and we're rewarded for doing that. And that's great. And that is our gift. And we should continue to do that, but we can't do that from, if we're not full ourselves. So I think normalizing that women have permission to do this specifically and then surrounding them with other women who are willing to do this for themselves and are willing to hold themselves accountable and remind one another of their beauty and their gifts and their value and give them permission to do whatever they need to heal. All of these things just on top of being in community and normalizing the process. So you just don't feel like you're crazy. I mean, like I, 
And I can't tell you how many people come in and they share their story with me and they think that they're crazy. And I go, nope, the nine o'clock said this exact same thing. And my 11 o'clock said the exact same thing, you know, and I, and I feel the exact same thing. So it's like, I know just that community of this is really important too, which if you're local, I do a program with that. And I work with women in a program that I call heart wide open. And it's, uh, I call it that because, um, one of my favorite books, uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, and he makes reference to the, the easy, not that it's easy, but it's easier to open your heart, but it's really challenging to keep it open because when life comes at you and you get triggered or you get scared or you get, you know, we get defensive and we close up and we, we shut down and we withdraw and we do all these things to live with an open heart, but to do that in a way that you're caring for yourself. Uh, is really important. So I, and I don't think that's easily done. It's a, it's a concept that yet, at least in my world and the people around me, hasn't been really well modeled. Um, and so I think just at least getting in a community of people that are at least trying to figure it out together is important. So I think you bring up a really huge, huge point is that modeling of the, um, of the higher, what does it feel like? What does it look like when someone is connected to their higher, you know, higher self that, that they are being who they really want to be in the world. Um, and that, that open heart, I don't know if a lot of people have that concept of what that would feel like because we walk around with our hearts closed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll do my best. That's a, that's one of those, you know, I always say when you get to the good stuff, you almost lose your languaging for it, right? (laughs) Because it it comes out like, ah, but you know, it's more of a, because it really is, it's more of a feeling state than it is, um, than I have found the appropriate languaging to match it. Um, In Kundalini, we call it like radiance. So I think it's, I think it's important to note that I think our purpose, our dharma, our call, I don't know that it's something out there. I think it's something that's, that's right here. And that the goal isn't to go out there to find something. The goal is to declutter from everything that you've just kind of like allowed to be schlepped onto you (laughs) throughout your life journey by maybe generational passing or maybe your own life experience or maybe the relationships you're in or whatever it is. But to let that and the expectations of that and the roles of that that don't match your true calling, let them fall to the wayside. So it... um, Kind of fit words that would, I think it looks like lovingly not caring what people think, like not in the, um, I mean, it could look spunky and have some moxie to it, and that wouldn't be necessarily bad, but not necessarily like better than. It's just, I'm sure it's more, it's like the ego gets dropped in that, but the clarity increases. So I think it looks and feels like assuredness, and I just know, and I don't need to be right at the same time. Um, and that is a very welcoming and soft, but direct and energy that um, it's powerful. It's a really powerful love. Mm-hmm. To me, at this point, um, I feel like I can attain it more than I used to. <laughs> and I can identify when I lose it quicker. So um, because it feels really good. Uh, you know, that's not a very uh, articulate word, but it just feels right. Um, and I think that the, the more you touch it, the more you desire it. And so, you know, I always say, once you get on the train, you're not getting off in this journey because it, it will pull you and it will call you to become your higher self. And then inevitably, I see this in myself and I see it in the women that I work with um, specifically is that there's an inspiration to give it back because it's just something that like, yeah, like 
almost like this is so good, I want to share. So it becomes um, becomes useful in service. That also reassures me that that has to be of a deep, loving, and caring nature. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what no, I got. I, I, I absolutely, I think you did. You know, because what I what I see is that when you have when we have an open heart, right? When I have an open heart. I am, when I'm in communication with somebody else, I'm not coming with them with a story of who they are and who I am, mm -hmm. which creates untruths because it's your story, my story, and not what really happened. But when you come to somebody when in any kind of a meeting with someone with an open heart and they have an open heart, you see more of their truth and then you have more of an open mind to maybe actually feel what it feels like for them coming from their truth. And yeah. when we can feel when other people are coming from their truth, then we have a little bit more um, acceptance of another way of being. And that is what I think is missing in our world. Yeah. Because our hearts are shut down from fear yeah. um, or not knowing what to do or not having hope. And so we shut ourselves down and then we go to people with our stories of who we think they are. And yeah. we don't really ever see them, right? you know, because you can't really know somebody in a text, you know, you can yeah. text, but you don't really know somebody. And so we're doing a lot of communication with texting, which is great because it's a note that you can get to yeah. when you have time. Um, yeah. But I think that this is so, so important for the well-being of our society um, yeah. to put it at that level. Right. It's a, it's the, the, the level of our society as being a um, caring community of, of uh, people that um, can be healthy. Yeah. And what, what you speak to me, when, how I interpret that is that, you know, that we're in this juxtaposition in our society where it's like we're more connected in some ways and then totally alone and disconnected in so many ways. And so it's creating the space and the and the intention to 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 really to to really know somebody without the stories is to really be understood, right? And to do that in truth, there's a we end every Kundalini class with Satnam, which means I am truth. Truth is my identity, and so uh, I'm a seeker of that, right? Like I'm a seeker of like like let's talk from truth. Um, let's let everything else drop away. Let's be in that and those universal spiritual truths, you know, love always wins. And so if you're coming from that place, uh, you connect. And I, and I think a lot of that anxiety that's in our culture that we were speaking to earlier is, um, is an anxiousness with a sense of loneliness and a sense of isolation. And unfortunately people are even like exacerbating that by numbing with increased isolation, thinking that they can do it all on their own and that they'll find a way. And then they just try harder and then they spin and then they're even more exhausted. And read a book. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Read a book and understand why, but not be able to clear it out of your body. And so yeah. it keeps coming up and they have more hopelessness and yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And right. then they're in your office with autoimmune stuff. So, you know, I mean, it's just like, it, it just catches up. And so my favorite quote in the world is the purpose in life is to be happy by the Dalai Lama. And, um, that's not simple to do. That's not a, it's a, it sounds like a trite little concise, cute little statement, but it's a journey to really embrace the vibration of joy and happiness and to choose that and to clear out the clutter to get there. So mm -hmm. yeah. especially in this world. Yes. So yes. I know I always, that uh, it can be really, really, I mean, I can geek out on it. <laughs> it can be magical, right? Yes. It can be yeah. absolutely magical and um, an amazing experience. 
And yeah. so I, I know for, for me, when I, when I think about, I'm going to make a decision of which direction or how, who am I, what do I want to do and who I want to be. I always kind of with the thought of my intention is coming from love and trust and truth and joy and courage. Cause it takes yeah. courage to do all of those things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, and so, and so you offer, like I have the, 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 with the naturopathic is the chemical, you know, let's get your body to the biochemically to be able to create that. Yeah. And you have the tools to spiritually, emotionally open the door and then make it happen. So thank you so much. Thank so you. much for joining me. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? No, I just gratitude, just really gratitude for, for being, having an open heart enough to um, allow the space for me and to feel so welcomed and supported. And that is a, that is an important thing for me um, that we as humans and specifically as women support one another. And I just cherish the space that you're providing and the work you're doing in the world. So thank you. Okay. So yeah. again, you can find Hannah Zachney, um, your contact info. So hannahzachney.com is Z-A-C-K-N-E-Y. Hannah is for H-A-N-N-A-H. So uh, hannahzachney.com is probably the easiest way. Um, I have Heartwide Open Women on Instagram. Those are probably the two best ways. Fantastic, Hannah. Yeah. And again, um, I'm Dr. Heidi Hook, and you can find me at auburnnaturopathicmedicine.com. And this is Naturally Curious. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Satnam. <laughs>